This podcast is for grown-ass people, so if you are under the age of 18, go away. Hi, and long time no speak. Uh, it's been a very, very long time. Uh, I didn't want you to think that I completely turned my back on everything. It's just shit happens. I, I'm still plugging away, still hoping to have more episodes in the future. Um, so this is not a uh, this is not a one-off. This is just a uh, extremely slow <laughs> pace. But the good news is, is people are still downloading old episodes. We're still getting like, you know. I don't know, 10, 20,000 downloads uh, a month. It's uh, it's still really new people are discovering the podcast all the time. So I'm going to keep it uh, up there at the very least. So, um, And we got a new episode today for you. Uh, someone who reached out to me to uh, sit down. I'm so glad they did. Orion Stephanie Johnstone, who, uh, along with some of their friends, teamed up to make uh, Kinkton, which is a new uh, social network for the kink people. Uh, you can go to trykinkton.com to uh, learn more about it. It's really innovative. It's really cool. And so is Orion. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with Orion. This sounds really exciting. It is exciting. I have... Now, first of all, was there any... I assume you already have lawyers who said, okay, fine, with the name, that there's no we problem with the name. We have budgeted for if and when we get sued by LinkedIn, <laughs> and we believe that we can win, and also the publicity will be great for us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that took, that took, wow, that was really yeah. great. You already have the answer and it would be yeah, awesome. Um, Emma Tattenbaum Fine, who is a TV writer and comedian, came up with the name. She tweeted it as a joke and got this, it got this enormous response on Twitter. And she had to then break the news that it wasn't actually already a thing. And then her romantic partner, Luke, who's our CEO, said, let's actually make this thing. Right. Was, um, were there, I mean, I think people already listening already know what it's all about, but were there alternate names you thought of too? It was, uh, Emma instigated it with the name. Emma um, is a phenomenal all around human. And she was also a coaching client of mine. I have a sex and relationships coaching practice. Mm -hmm. And she had a particularly transformative experience working with me. It was so exciting to, to walk alongside her in that part of her journey. And, and I, um, so once she and Luke had the idea and we're putting together the legal team and the rest of the team, they kind of brought me on board saying, Ryan, will you please be the heart and soul of this thing. I want what you've shared with me uh, to have wider reach. So it was just something that kind of started as a joke. Is that what it is? Or was this already kind of in the works that people had already, you make, you make it sound like the name is what kind of started this whole thing. The very initial catalyst did start as a joke about the name, right. but the enormous response that the name got um, led Emma and Luke to be like, let's actually do this. <laughs> <laughs> what if we, what if we could? And yeah. It was one of the classic, it's so crazy. It just might work type of things. It, Exactly. Right. Yeah. And uh, our, well, our team is fabulous. Let's talk about uh, you for a little bit because um, you've got an interesting story. You have a podcast as well. Mm -hmm. uh, Sex for Smart People. I do. The tagline is authenticity and communication are the sexiest, which I want to like, just like <laughs> write on my, or like almost tattoo that on my forehead. But that, that's not actually that radical of an idea. And yet um, it often comes across as that, that we it can does. be who we are. We can be all of who we are without shame and that communication increases sexiness. I think you're right. I think also, uh, you know, especially in kink, there's a desire to put 
uh, a face on what you think you should be, especially like mm. in kink in the kink world, whether that's uh, oh I see in porn or I see this thing that I think I should be. Um, Saad call I can't remember what Saad my better half calls it. Uh, there's a special thing for dominance, right? Where dominance will think that they have to act a certain way in order to be dominant, right? When mm-hmm. the authenticity, when you know, when they can be themselves, that is so much hotter, right? Uh, so and, much hotter, right. so much more fun. Right. <laughs> Unless, of course, sometimes that thing that that persona is part of them. Of course, then that easily comes across. But uh, you can also really tell when someone's acting and they're not really comfortable in that non-authentic space that they've created. Uh, because... I agree. And, and I think that a lot of people who don't already identify as kinky um, maybe don't feel welcome to claim that term because they think of kink as this like specific, like unsa, 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 black and red, 50 shades of gray, right, <laughs> one, right. one particular dynamic or way of being right. where um, I'm excited to think about a really expansive definition of kink. And that is anything beyond that, which you or anyone considers capital N normative. Like right. it's still illegal to have sex with the lights on in Virginia. <laughs> right. Well, if you've met any Virginians, you'd know, that that's probably a good thing. <laughs> Wait, why would you say I that? I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what that means. I bet Virginians are beautiful. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, uh, no, that was just a stupid joke for the sake of a stupid joke. That's, okay. so, that's it. Um, so what is, uh, let's talk about your personal experience. Now you, you do coaching, but you didn't obviously just wake up and say, I'm going to do, I'm going to be a sex coach and relationship coach. How did this, how did you get into this? It's been a hell of a long journey and an often arduous one. Um, my, my, my journey from utter shame to utter celebration of my sexuality, my queerness, my kinkiness. Um, I was raised uh, the kid of an evangelical fundamentalist Christian pastor. And it was my faith, not just the faith of my parents, until I was 22. I was heavily involved with Campus Crusade for Christ as an undergraduate at NYU. I really um, cared about being culturally relevant. I was really thoughtful. And also, um, along with that background, even though lots of good things like care and community and compassion were instilled in me from a young age, there was such a heavy dose of, of shame around all the ways that I am very outside of these capital S shoulds. Right. Right. So how did you, how did you, so I don't want to say the word stuck, but how did you expand upon that? How did you, I mean, I don't know if you were still religious or not, or, or how that plays a part. I but... say I'm a person of faith against all odds in humanity <laughs> and that I am now a fundamentalist about our collective liberation. Oh, wow. uh, and I have a lot of humility and curiosity around that. There's so much that I don't know, but no, I don't. Um, I am, I don't consider myself a Christian. The questions that I stand in mo- like that are most core to who I am are who and how are we together mm-hmm. as lovers, as families, as citizens, as communities? And who and how might we be together more bravely? Um, sometimes I say more bravely in light of our collective liberation. Sure. But this idea that we are in 
relationship in these in these widening circles of relationship that like that my my freedom my joy is inherently tied to yours um another big word interdependence i i believe that that there there is great truth in in interdependence that we do affect each other and so i to 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 bring us back to kink in terms of collective liberation i really believe that the more that uh, that someone else is free from their shame and feeling fully welcome to be all of who they are and express all of who they are. I think some people would see that as like individualism, like you be you, go for it. And that's a part of it, sure. But for me, the great power is in you feeling free to be you makes me feel more free to be me. Right. Exactly, um, and so that that to me is at the core of collective liberation. There's also, of course, um, just like the acknowledgement that like people who um, have experienced like uh, more marginalization and oppression that I have than I have that like I in when I think about the world that I would really love to live in, um, that it's not that I want to like help people who carry less intersecting and overlapping privileges than me. It's that actually, as um, I think it's Lila Watson, an Aboriginal activist said, if you have come to help me, you are wasting your time. But if, um, if you have come because you know your liberation is bound with mine, then let us work together. Right. So that's another um, big thing that fuels the fire under that for me and all of the, the political organizing and sex education and collaborative art making that I, that I do. How did I do? Avoiding lingo. <laughs> no, that's awesome. That's absolutely awesome. And I think that is a, I think that's a problem for a lot of people is, um, Especially after the election, there is a there's a, a, a genuine desire to help others and to stand mm. up for others uh, and to push push things forward instead of back, right? And so mm. uh, you do have people who uh, are genuinely trying to help, right? They're coming from a good place, right? Mm -hmm. But because they uh, see themselves as saviors mm -hmm. instead of something in a joint struggle. Right. Mm -hmm. That that can sometimes I don't want to say hurt more than it helps, but it's not as it's not as it's not it's not as helpful as it could be as as a, a collective struggle as opposed to a. Absolutely. And also, I've been there. I had a learning journey with that. I'm still on that learning journey. Yeah, everyone We're all is. still in that learning journey together. Everyone is. Right. I mean, and, uh, you know, uh, um, and I think, you know, it's just just as. Uh, if someone who is trying to be, and th this is the, this is the hardest part, I think, too, especially when it comes to like, uh, when it comes to whether it's politics or kink or sex or whatever, is um, if you're further on your journey as someone else, um, and someone else um, is just learning about this stuff, um, there is a uh, a tendency for people to sometimes look down on the people who are very just starting it, not look down, but maybe forget that they used to be in that position too, right? Mm -hmm. And instead of trying to just help them along, they're, because maybe, I'll give you an example, if they use the wrong word or the wrong language of something, um, rather than chastise them for using that, just educate them and teach them, actually, this is how it is now, because you might uh, ostracize them accidentally by correcting them. Does that make sense? 
It makes total sense. And I think that, that there is a lot of truth in that. And also there's a complexity to that where, um, those, those who, who have experienced various forms of marginalization, whether that's racism, sexism, transphobia, homophobia, I think that there's often a burden to educate. And so the, the idea of like emotional labor is, is real. Right. And so I think that I, I would not ever fault somebody who, um, who hears something that offends them and just doesn't doesn't have it in them at that moment to, to correct them. Um, there there have been times where, where I said something that was like unintentionally not acknowledging my white privilege and, and, uh, a a comrade of color has, has said to me like, that shit's just not okay. And I don't think that that it's always okay for me to then go, can you help me understand why? I think that often that can be my work to do on my own. Right. Yes. Uh, maybe. And maybe I should. I get exhausted of I- explaining about transness and gender queerness sure. a lot. And there are there are times when I'm I'm uh, ready to be to be open and dig in, and <laughs> it depends a lot on context and right. the, and the relationship. But um, but I do want to share. I think that sometimes like arguing about or not arguing, but but having conversation about how things can work in theory um, is like sometimes less true than a story or like poetry. And so I actually want to offer these four lines from a poem that I really love um, by Andrea Gibson called Say Yes. Um, They wrote, um, this is for the people who rattle the cage that Slave Wage built and for the ones who didn't know the filth until tonight, but right now are beginning songs that sound something like people turning their porch lights on and calling the homeless back home. And so most deeply, absolutely welcome in those who didn't know the filth until tonight. Right. Yes. Too. You've got to, okay, I've got to, we're going to have, this is going to be the longest selection of links that people can click on <laughs> after an episode, because I have a feeling this is going to be, there's going to be a there's going to be a bibliography that goes at the end of Great. this episode. This is Great. good. So, and this is not a bad thing. I want to say that. I love bibliographies. Yeah. Um, well, that's great. That's really great. I mean, I'm, I guess what I'm thinking of uh, when I say, um, you know, there are people who are. I'll give you an example. Um, I was having a conversation with my mom, who is sort of now kind of realizing. You know, she's in a midwestern state, and. Um, uh, I think she wants to be, she wants to be a better, for lack of a better term, or, you know, she doesn't want to be alienating to people, right? Uh-huh. Her exposure to a, a lot of marginalized groups is like on the television and that's about it, right? Uh-huh. But she will use words that are, uh, that 30 years ago would have been just fine for things, right? Uh-huh. That are maybe not as good now. I know that if I correct her, I'd say, Mom, why are you such an asshole? If I say that to her, mm-hmm. uh, that she will actually be more, she, that'll cut her off. She will not, I was like, what the hell are you doing? If I do that, if I react that way, um, but because her heart's in the right place, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if I react that way, then I know that she's probably just going to cut herself off from that and not even try, because why, why try even doing any of this if she's just going to get, you know, a negative response? But if I say, well, actually, you know, uh, this is why, and here's why it is, then I know that she's actually not only going to learn, but she's going to, gr- you know, grow from that. Like, 
Um, sure. Well, but but the difference. So that's so beautiful in terms of you having energy to speak to your mom yes. about that. So right. there's. I just want to highlight that there's such a big difference of like you speaking to your mom on behalf of others than someone else who is uh, who who get, feels wounded by something your mom says, needing to absolutely do that, yes. educating there. So cheers, right. cheers to you for being in that compassionate conversation. I so deeply believe in that. But and by also, the way, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, if someone else who's more knowledgeable on this subject than me was listening in on my conversation, explain this to my mom, as soon as I got off the phone with my mom, they probably would have said, actually, uh, you were completely... And this is just because there's always levels of knowledge. And I think... Absolutely. If you if you can... It's sort of like a, 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 there's a painting of, uh, I, I remember, or, or like a political cartoon of people who are lower helping out the people who are above them right and it was mm. just it was more of an economic thing but um but this is the same, same thing when it comes to knowledge and how to explain things and a lot of this just becomes it's sort of like you know dick cheney was not for gay marriage until his daughter came out right basically you know what i mean uh-huh. it's only like uh-huh. only until you have the personal experience and so if you don't have if you haven't had the personal experience you don't benefit from it uh so uh like my mom i guarantee you if she was in a completely different location growing up she would have been completely different. She would have been a different person just because of her, you know, experiences, right? Um, and uh, and so I think I think uh, uh, you know this is why people like yourselves, people who um, who are genuine in trying to, like you said, it's a collective thing and not just a selfish thing. Uh, I think that is that's the answer right there, right? And that you're this podcast is so a part of it. And thank you for being who you are and doing what you do. A big thing that, you know, that um, so often we think of like sex and sexuality as something that like we can like put over there in a box in the corner that's not right. really a part of our full selves that feels right. like scary and hard to talk about. And so thank you for having this platform where we we can talk about our full selves and talk well, about sex and talk about kink and other things that don't often feel safe to be open about. So let's keep talking about you. Sure. Uh, because I can, I, this is a prime example of how I can easily derail the conversation. <laughs> it's okay. Let's make it about me again. No. Um, uh, so, so you were uh, uh, evangelical. Is that the right word mm-hmm. to use? Evangelical fundamentalist Christian um, until I was 22. And then um, what happened at 22? It's kind of a, a long, awesome story, but I'll give you the, the shortest version I can is that I turned down a marriage proposal um, from someone that we had just courted and never even like dated or kissed for seven years. Wow. And I was going I, just before studying abroad in Prague, my last semester of NYU, I was on a train going down to see this wonderful, wholesome, beautiful person um, uh, where he was studying at law school. Um, So it's the train from Chicago to St. Louis. And I was so excited and giddy on the train all the way down. And then he was there at the station with flowers and like everything should have been perfect. And this is the part that I'll never forget. I stepped off of that train and like all of a sudden it felt like my stomach like fell out from under me. And like my body was just screaming like, no. No, 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 no. But just so much of who I am was screaming. So much of who I am that I hadn't known how to listen to before. 
Um, and I still went along with that weekend and we had like a nice, lovely time and I was feeling weird inside, but didn't know what to do. And then I got on the plane to Prague and just wept the whole time. And so that was the emotional catalyst that made me more deeply open to asking even deeper questions than I had before. And then I was in this great class called the culture of dissent taught by Václav Havel's right-hand man, like Havel, when he was writing essays in prison, my teacher was like smuggling transistor radios over rooftops and like gave the go for the student revolution. The thing is, I didn't even know the meaning of the word dissent when I signed up for the class. I just was, <laughs> took it because I was told that it was the best class and couldn't miss out on that. Um, but we read Mein Kampf, the Communist Manifesto, um, and just studied like why people believe the way the 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 things that they do. And in the course of that class, I just kind of turned a, a differently critical eye to the ma manipulability of of my own mind and the, ma the manipulability of the human mind. Right. Um, and was asking those questions in a in a more open place because I was so shaken up like right. I had so believed that like this was God's plan for me and this is the way and then if that's not true then what else isn't true and I still think I would have freaked out um because you know so much of this had been my my foundation for so long I think I would have freaked out if I hadn't concurrently been having an awakening to my sexuality <laughs> right, um, right. while in Prague um right. and so that allowed me to you know when I was being sexual for the first time and you know, still thinking this was like a moment of rebellion. And then I'd go back and like get right with God. Right. Um, but, and being sexual for the first time and feeling like I, why, I, I, why isn't the sky falling down on me? Like, how is it that I feel like so respected and beautiful and great in all the ways and just like honored and communicated with and seen in my full humanity. Like there, there is a lot of cognitive dissonance there. Like that shouldn't be possible, but it is. And right. here I am within it. And, and I know I'm incredibly lucky and even privileged that my first sexual experiences were that joyful and respected. I know that right. that's, that's not the case for a lot of folks very, very sadly. Um, but for me that, uh, that joy and, and liberation um, allowed me, me to sit in the big worldview questions that I was having for long enough to 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 let it stick or let there there be a real transformation in my worldview. I um and and I still it's I mean my commitment to care, community, and compassion has not shifted. Right. Um, but that was the beginning of me like really actually listening to myself about who I am in my gender and my sexuality. That's really interesting because I mean, a lot of people, even if they're in the kink scene, the kink world, uh, uh, it's almost like their desires are pushing them there. It, like, you know, it's like this, this, uh, it's this, it's this innate desire to fulfill that need. Um, but that shame sort of never goes away, especially if you've mm. been, you know, were raised in a very religious, uh, I was raised, raised very religious as well, really? well, Lutheran, which is, you know, mm. I mean, Lutheran is sort of like, you know, it's not, I wouldn't say it's super evangelical, obviously. They're the lazy Catholics, you know, they're very like, <laughs> do you want to be forgiven? Yeah. Okay. Well, then that's all it takes. I don't want to hear the details. I don't want to hear the details. That's like My first long-term partner when I was 23, right after this transformation, was the son of a Lutheran minister. And we used to joke that that his dad, in his dad's church, it's all like, Hallelujah. <laughs> and in my dad's church, it's all like, Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think Eddie Izzard has that joke about 
uh, Eddie Izzard has that joke about the difference in cultural, like, like, like super uh, Lutheran people are, are like, Hallelujah. They're very depressing, oh. and it's always like a very solemn thing. I love Eddie Izzard. Yeah, he's very good. I um, heard that one. So, so, but the, it, what's interesting is the fact that you were experiencing all these things at the same time that completely changed your worldview. At least it sounds like it completely changed your worldview of what, what was possible, I guess, right? Um, mm-hmm. So you were... I mean, everything's gradual, of course, but then yeah. it was still a long journey after that. Right. Do you think... Um, so what was that? I mean, was it... How did kink start to go, come into play? Or was that early on? Or how did that? Kinda. I'm not asking for like dirty details or anything like that. But like, I, can, I will share any dirty details you want to know. Well, whatever I mean, you feel comfortable. Well, but for me, I, I'm curious about like, you know, you say that you had these joyous and uh, welcoming experiences. You know, I can't imagine you went from, you know, zero to five hundred like right I away. Didn't. Right. However, just the embracing that like I am a sexual person and I can be sexual without shame there was kind of then over the course of that next year like um well one my my partner at the time and I just had all these we we were both suspicious of capital s shoulds because we both had kind of a similar upbringing and we were just talking who and how might we be together most bravely so we joke that we thought we invented ethical non-monogamy which clearly we didn't but we we didn't know anybody who was doing that we would that just came out of us asking questions of who and how do we want to be together and we love each other so much and also there's not an off switch for feelings and also i'm super queer and also want to be with with people who are not dudes or not cis dudes and um and so in the course of those really vibrant conversations with this wonderful people, person who's Dave McGee, he's the, the co-host of my podcast, actually. We broke up in early 2012, but are still dear friends. And uh, my life is better in every way because of our six-year partnership. And um, over the course of that, I... Uh, just began to notice what turns me on, what my body is like really saying yes to. Um, and I, um, I am deeply gender fluid and deeply switchy in a power dynamic sense. And so um, I remember vividly first having the in- inkling that I was into topping and vividly first having the inkling that I was into bottoming. And they're very different for me, but both very present for me. Sure. The learning that I was into topping was really fun. Um, do you know Neil Gaiman's American Gods? Yes. So there are these two scenes that I, that just like my whole body was like, whoa, like something in there got to play around with. One is there's this like jungle goddess and she's like, and she just like appears uh, in, in like wearing next to nothing and like, or just like animal skins and there's shadow there and she's just like down there. And then he goes down on her. And like, that was like, I remember reading that and be like, oh, interesting. What's going on there? (laughs) And then especially the one, and this feels this like, I talk about this openly, even though I definitely felt embarrassed that I felt turned on about this at first. This the scene where there's the the goddess being worshipped by a mortal, and they're they're fucking penis and vagina fucking, and uh, he's worshiping her, and as they're fucking and he's worshiping her, her vagina literally eats him. Right. And so, and that really did it for me. So I wanted, and so to this day, like who I am when I top is like really like creative and fantastical and adventurous and like story based. And I love really elaborate role play, especially having to do with like science fiction or espionage right. and, <laughs> um, and less into like giving, giving pain or, or humiliation is more like imaginative and creative. 
And then um, learning about myself as a bottom, um, this was was tougher to come around to because it's less playful for me or often is less playful for me. Um, I was reading this history book about um, about Berlin after World War II and when the Russians were invading. And mm-hmm. there was this like very, very, very graphic um, gang rape scene. Yeah. And I was reading it feeling horrified and also noticing that I was feeling sexually turned on. And I felt a lot of shame around that. And sure. I think like it makes sense to deeply examine that. Right. <laughs> Not, right. And, and like to go like, wait a second, what is up with that? And and I've come to understand that like one, it makes sense, like like neurologically, scientifically, it makes sense that we're turned on by things that are considered taboo. You're told, you know, don't go over there. Oh, I really want to go over there. Like right. that, that, that just makes sense in terms of human wiring. Sure. Um, but that um, also that like, of course, as like conscientious people and adults, we can separate out feeling turned on by a thing or actually even coming close to condoning a thing right. like absolutely like the the actual act of that as described in the history book i just like i abhor with all with all of my heart and right. this idea like as i began to learn like enthusiastic consent is so exciting to me <laughs> like <laughs> this idea that it's not just like like no means no but that like no, like, yes means yes. That like, what is, what is my whole body enthusiastically saying yes to? And that that gift of enthusiastic consent to like give to a partner and receive from a partner is just so beautiful. And then noticing how, um, so then getting to, to play with some wonderful people and some like long-term partners where we got to go really, really deep in, in a DS dynamic and in both directions. But, um, but it took me longer to like come around from the shame for the for the less playful um, bottomy uh, sure. stuff in me. Um, but then just like in life, I tend to be like I tend to be a public voice, the facilitator in the room, the organizer, the connector of people. And just like what a gift it is when someone will take their like like. I can give my power over to them and trust them with that. And then like to, I love, you've probably talked about subspace on this. And, and just the gift of being invited into subspace to, to is, is just so, so powerful and so healing to me. And, um, and I'm really excited that I've, I've gotten to kind of like try all the things. At first it felt like I had this like big list of like check boxes I needed to hit. And then I've kind of like come through that. And now I'm just so excited um, when I get the gift of, of playing with, with people, whether they're new or not to me, to really listen deeply for who and how we might be together and where there is alignment in what we're hungry for. So is it, it's, I'm always really interested when talking to switches, um, what is, is it, do you find it depends on, I already, you know, I already know the answer, but uh, I'm very curious to know, uh, is it the, the person? Is it your mood? Is it a combination of both? Um, what, let's say if you are, uh, you know, you meet someone and um, when you meet them, if you don't know, let's say if you don't know if they uh, are a top or bottom or switch, do you have a sense of what you want to do with that person just based on your conversations and how you feel with them? Or 
let's say if halfway through the conversation, an hour in, you find out that they are a top or they are a bottom, does that change how you feel of what you want to do with them or how? To, to your first question, totally. Yes, it's both person and context and mind sure. at the time. Sure. Um, but I feel like such a geek around the learning of people and what really excites each unique being um, right. and whether or not I'm playing with them, but just, just people in general, I just sure. like, what, what makes you tick? What gets you going? And so I, before um, I rarely, if ever have engaged in play with anyone without like very extensive conversations about where are you in this moment in general? Where do you lean in terms of power dynamic? What haven't you gotten to lately that you'd love to do? Um, what really like what always does it for you? What are you like interested in trying, but maybe haven't haven't gone there? And um, so does that answer your question? Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, I guess it's really hard I for me. I love sitting in the humility and curiosity about it. I think that's like, that's the sexiest thing is like, like always that we don't, like we can't make presumptions about people ever. Even people who are like 99.9% .9 of the time bottoms, like maybe one day that's, that's not what they're feeling. And so right. like, like sure. how, like being invited to and inviting others to hold that much humility and curiosity is like my deepest turn on actually. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think. You know, it's just, it's, it's sort of just like anything else when you're first in it and you're first discovering it, um, um, you have these little walls of rules of what should be because of what you've learned or because of the media you've been around or whatever. Mm -hmm. When I first came to New York, um, you know, I went to one of my first kink parties and, um, uh, I had no idea, like any of the terminology or any of the phrases or anything like that. But I knew just enough based on reading, you know, really bad, you know, literature, you know, really bad, like, you know, mm -hmm. mostly femdom porn or something like, you know what I mean? Just, but it's always like, there are strict rules in these, in these things. Right. And so, um, I remember, um, uh, there was a woman that, uh, we were, it was at a bar, there was a woman and, uh, she came up to me. I, you know, I was too scared to approach anyone, but she came up to me and, uh, she said something like, uh, I can't remember what her phrase was, but she addressed me as sir. Mm -hmm. And because I'm tall, sometimes they just assume mm -hmm. or whatever. Um, and, and she was uh, presuming that you're toppy. Right. And so, uh, I was so scared because I didn't know how to, I didn't want to disappoint her by saying no, you know, like, like actually I'm, you know, submissive or, you know, whatever I, but at the same time. Uh, so I didn't want to disappoint her, right? Uh, but at the same time, I knew I could never do anything, you know, at all. And so I kind of just like turned and walked the other way because I just I was like in this sort of like feedback loop of don't want to disappoint her. But at the same time, I feel bad for her. But at the same time, there's no way I don't know how to address this thing. So I just, I mean, I was very young and I just turned the other way. You know, obviously now, you know, I would have at least a conversation with her uh, or or something, but you know, when you're early on in this exploration, especially if your only exposure is literature, online yeah. porn, you know, because there are people who they only have this concept of what kink is based on, you know, whatever limited thing they have, right? Um, and so, like, there are so many, I had so many just because of my own hangups, just really weird interactions like that, where my brain mm. says, does not compute. And then, you know, walks the other way, right? 
Um, uh, but it sounds like you're, it sounds like you didn't really have that to that extent of this sort of like you had these own rules in your mind of what things should be because you had already broken like the big one already, right? You had already I broken. I do think there's truth in that, that like once, yeah. like it was so painful and long-term to like shatter that first capital S should, right. that then yes, after that, I'm all about create your own vocabulary, listen deep, you know, and, and, and yeah. I also tend to have the most fun playing with people that I'm also like friends with and like have a trust built. I know that some people are into, and I, I celebrate when that works for people, like just playing at a party w without really knowing somebody that tends not to be my thing quite as much. Sure. Right. Right. So we have a, a bit of a, uh, and this is the best possible problem to have is we have mm -hmm. a time limitation. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and so I hope you'll come back on to just, shoot the shit for a couple hours at some uh, point. I would love to. Um, uh, but I want to talk about your coaching, how you got into coaching, what that's sure. like. And then I want to talk about Kinkton. Uh, Thank like you for deep... the invitations. Right. I'm so thrilled let's, to talk. Let's, um, let's, talk, let's talk about your, like, your coaching. How did you get into that? It's so wild. I did not set out to become a coach or to become a sex educator. But right. when Dave McGee and I were first asking these questions that felt so radical to us um, about monogamy, about kink, about gender. Um, we are both people who are widely connected to a lot of people and also just like are feel free sharing about our journeys. And so we, we were just very vocal about the questions we were holding and what we were navigating together. And then what happened is that like I, it would. It got to a point pretty soon, like in my mid twenties, and I'm 34 now, um, that like five to 10 people a week would be coming to me for sex advice, whether from like, you know, w I think I have herpes, what do I do? Or like, I've never, like, I I'm a woman who has never had sex with a woman before, but like, how do I flirt with somebody mm -hmm. to talking about gender complexity? And, and these are even like people that I didn't know people like friends of friends of friends then seeking me out. And so I, it, it did get to be a bit much. So part of the coaching practice is just being able to have a boundary around it. And my coaching practice is and always was and always will be sliding scale because I care sure. so deeply about radical accessibility. But it also, when I noticed, whoa, I'm being sought after for this thing so often and so passionately, like I want to listen and take seriously that I'm flagged as somebody who it feels safe to talk to me about things that doesn't, it doesn't often feel safe to talk to people about. And like, sure. I want to carry that, that responsibility. And so I did a, a bunch of uh, sex ed workshops. I took them at, at Planned Parenthood. I went to all these conferences, like every book I read for like five years was about sex and relationships and just got like really ravenous to learn all I could to support in the best that I could. And then started this podcast to be a free resource for, you know, the first starting addressing some of the questions that I got approached with often so that since there's only one of me, I can point to here, here's this resource that I'd love right. to be generous with. Um, um, and also the coaching practice, if you want to talk deeper and the coaching practice is so like the, the thing about how, like, yes, it's true that I bring a lot of like care and wisdom and expertise to the table, but also so do my clients. And so it is so just like mutually deeply fulfilling. Um, and I learn so, so much. Um, and also just like, what a privilege and an honor to 
get to be trusted with walking alongside folks at some really tender moments in their journey. And I, um, I, I work with couples and individuals and, um, people come to me with things kind of across the board. Um, but this generally like inviting folks, um, to sexuality from a place of wholeness, whatever that means for them, sure. wholeness as, as radically self-determined, um, is, uh, is, is something that I really, really love. It's, so, so here in, in my mind is the biggest, um, I don't even want to use the word problem, but so there's a little, there's a little barrier here because, uh, clearly, um, I mean, you've, you've, it sounds like, and I, I believe you've probably helped a ton of people, right? But it's almost like a self-selecting group. The only type, there's, o there's only a certain type of person who's going to be exposed to know about you, um, or who would have the... In order to even ask you for help, mm. even to approach you, they have mm. to be at a certain place first, right? So it's true. So the problem, uh, the problem with that is how do you, uh, how do you reach the people who aren't even at that point yet because they don't even know about you yet, right? Or they don't well, even know that this is out there, right? The Massacast podcast, Sex or Yeah, but there's only a certain podcast. type of person who's going to be listening to that. That's also sure, a self-selecting group, but that can group, have right? wider reach than one-on-one -on -one coaching. And I really salute and, and love that question. And that's also a big driving part about why we want to, we, why we're starting Kington. Um, sure. And that's um, a big part was Emma came to me and was like, Ryan, these ideas that you've supported me in really need to reach wider. And and if and when Kington has as wide of a reach as we believe it can, um, sure. we hope that it will go to great lengths to causing those the wider culture shifts that we'd like to see towards somebody who may not have felt welcome entering into conversations before feeling so welcome and just knowing the on ramps to um, to enter into. Right. I mean, I mean, because I, I mean, I mean, it's really, uh, I don't know if, the, if it's the pessimist in me or whatever it is, but when I hear, like when I heard you talking about helping all these people and really great, uh, the only, th not the only thing, the first thing I thought, of, this is really awesome. More people should be benefiting from this. And then I realized there's going to be a lot of people who don't even know about this, right? Because they're never going to even well, search. They're going to know to search. Right? Not yet, but I want to build out toward a model that anybody who coaches with me can also like train with me to be a coach so that it is like, while, I mean, the coat that where a, a podcast can have farther reach, but not necessarily as deep, the one-on-one -on -one work, I only, I don't do one-off sessions. I only right. do a set of a certain number of sessions over a course of time because I believe, I don't believe in quick fixes. I believe in like right. deep, deep transformation. That's and great. I, and so I, my, my deepest hope is that everyone who works with me then goes to shine their light and invite the lights of, of other people beyond them. And so that, that, that's just like a, a Yes, more limited reach, but 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 a deep right. one that can have. I'm saying this is a good problem to have. Is what I'm saying. Yep. I'm saying yep, it's yep, a good yep. problem. Right. And also, the world that I would like to see is one where sex and relationships coaches aren't necessary. Right. Sure. One like first step because every therapist is so is so beyond has so overcome their own shame and is so literate about sex and sexuality and queerness and gender and, yeah. and alternatives to the capital N norms. So celebrating and, and literate in that. And so that like sex coaches aren't needed because that can be like, like every therapist, everyone in any health helping profession is, is up with that. And then beyond that, I would love to see a day where everyone is so whole and open about who they are um, and, and is safe and free to be 
open about who they are, which is certainly not the case in the world we live in now, but yeah. this world that I could envision where we talk to and support each other in like mutual, mutual aid networks of, of sex coaching rather than professionals. So, uh, uh, I, we, we only have a couple more minutes, so I want mm -hmm. to, and, and obviously we could talk for five hours on, uh, it seems like any subject that you want to pick, it seems like I could talk to you for five <laughs> hours on. Um, but, uh, so let's talk about Kinkton. Uh, this is, I, I, I promised the listener that the amount of time that uh, we're devoting to talking about Kinkton is only because there were so many other really good things to talk about. And we should probably do another Kinkton itself, like deep dive. I'd but, be excited to talk more anytime. Uh, First is a shout out, um, sexandrelationshipscoaching.com, if anybody's interested in, in seeking out my coaching. And Kinkton, trykinkton.com. Um, so tell, tell us about like, uh, like uh, it's like an, uh, an alternative to FetLife. What are the, uh, what are the goals of Kinkton trying to, I mean, I'm sure we could talk about issues in FetLife that you see. We could talk about all I that stuff. I start but... really gigantic and then get smaller. Let's do it. The really gigantic Kinkton, with Kinkton, we are building toward the wider culture shifts we would like to see toward right. eradicating stigma and shame. Um, eventually when it's so wide that like seasoned and unseasoned people alike, like can connect, feel free of, sh in a way that feels free of shame and have on ramps to find all of the information and connections that they would like to also towards, um, centering traditionally marginalized voices, um, FetLife meets some needs out there. And also it was made to my understanding by a, a, a a cis white dude who wasn't necessarily intending to consider vantage points outside of his own. And sure. so with Kinkton, we have an advisory board of people for, of, of all different backgrounds, identities and experiences. And we're really trying to listen for like what it, with the belief that everyone feels more safe and free and brave um, when those who are often like crowded out of spaces feel most safe and free and brave and so we are listening deeply for what can we what can we implement from the get-go to right. make this a safe and brave space for 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 example um people of color people who are not cis um people with disabilities um and and the list goes on and on and on but um but just th those who are it's often beyond the zones of awareness of people creating dating apps we're just really trying to listen hard and we're not going to be perfect at it we're going to be asymptotic just like approaching the line but never quite touching it but we right. know we can do better and another thing that we know we can do better about is community accountability and um this is something that um and Andy, who is on the Amorous Revolts uh, episode, who is a, a dear comrade of mine, um, we've been working on some of the work that Andy and Ida Mandalay have have been kind of spearheading. And their work is influenced by Insight, this um, feminists of color, uh, amazing think tank and activist network um, of like responses to harm um, in the mind in a mindset of transformative justice. So um, that being that it, it takes a bit of unpacking, but I think it's actually like not not a difficult concept. It's just not always at the at the forefront um, for a long while, like in a lot of kink scenes. And also this is still the case on FetLife. And this is one of the big ways that, that FetLife really fails its users is when when cases of harm or abuse are reported. FetLife is just like hands off, not my problem. And so, yeah. and, and so, um, that's just fundamentally not okay. Even if we're in a community of millions of people online, we're still in community with each other. We still have accountability to each other. And so 
in some kink circles, including one that I was a part of in New York City, um, it can be easy to go do a 180 in the opposite direction to then say, well, um, we're going to, you know, come down really hard on any reports of harm and, and kick someone off the island if they're a bad person. And we just need to separate out the bad people from the good people. And then we have a community of good people. And just the truth is far more complicated than that. Consent is far more nuanced than that. And so with Kington, we're building on a model that first and foremost starts from anyone who's experienced harm. We hear you. We believe you. Let's get you okay. And then let's figure out what we need to do, whether that is that in order to feel safe within the Kington community and, and or within the world, that they just need to, to block somebody, or whether it's like they actually fear for their own safety or the safety of others. And so all of this stuff is so nuanced and so hard to talk about. And so that's why we've put the most time, energy, and resources into thinking this through before launch. Um, I got to hire a wonderful community accountability team. Their names are Kavanaugh and Suki. They are mental health professionals who are trauma-informed with a transformative justice background um, and super kink competent. And so we, and, and in talking with them and in talking with Andy, we were talking about like, well, how do we, how is this not just about minimizing liability or trying to like, oh, let, you know, let's minimize the harm, but like actually building toward the wider culture shifts we would like to see and thinking about like on an app, probably not many people are going to go. We have educational resources about desirability politics, about consent culture, all of that. Some people may seek that out before playing with anybody, but, but some folks probably won't probably will go to the, the amazing people that they're being matched with in our right. very sophisticated match algorithm. Thanks to genius Alice Wong, our CTO. Um, but that, so how do we, how do we educate? How do we, how do we invite deeper conscientiousness, um, deeper self-awareness without it being pedantic and without you having to seek it out up front. And so this is what I'm most proud of. Oh my gosh. So we developed an aftercare function for the app. And obviously aftercare digitally is not the same as in-person aftercare, checking in after playing, but it is profound and it is something, something. So basically you can always meet someone on Kinkton and not let Kinkton know that you met with them. And that's totally fine, totally fair. But then you don't have access to our aftercare resources. If you let, if you let Kinkton know that you've met up with somebody, then you're given the opportunity to vouch for each other. Um, cause in the community, there's always, there's such importance to, um, uh, you know, to, to community trust and, and vouching. So we're experimenting with a couple different, different models of vouching, but then you also receive, uh, you, re- a, you get a pop-up like 12 hours after you said that you met up that just says, how are you feeling today? Um, based on this date. And then right. there's multiple choice from there. Maybe you click, you're feeling awesome. And then you're given great. Would you like that, that other user to know? Awesome. Right. And then you're given a, the option of answering some questions about, do you want to record anything about what really worked for you to, right. to, to know for next time? Then, um, or you could click like, like pretty okay. Um, and then you're asked some other like coaching type questions. If you want to make notes about like, what could have gone better just so that you know for yourself for next time. Right. But then if you get to a place where you're like um, maybe a little unsettled or if you click not okay, um, you are first given a set of very tailored uh, support resources of kink competent crisis hotlines and centers wow. in your area and for your identity. 
And so, um, so first providing support that is already out there and also our community accountability on team will have people on call 24 um, seven, not necessarily, they might provide some backup crisis counseling, but we hope the crisis counseling is met by things that already provide that, but community accountability folks to navigate things that come up um, in, in their full, things that will inevitably right. come up um, in their full nuance. So that's, super, super excited about that. That's amazing because I know that, you know, even 12 hours after my, or even the difference between even 12 and two weeks after my attitude towards something that just happened can change where I, you know, maybe at the first, I think it was the other person. And then later I realized it was just me. And then later I realized it was both. But if I could, would have started thinking about that sooner, you know, exactly. if I started thinking about that at 12 so hours. We hope that, well, we hope that nobody experiences harm ever, right. um, but we know that humans are complicated. And so, so sure. harm will come up um, whether or not it's intentional and uh, impact is obviously greater than intention. Um, but that, um, we hope that exactly what you said, that, that then over time, this will build a community of millions who are gradually even more self-aware and conscientious than they came in. But also, I think they just, if I had asked myself that question 12 hours after, uh-huh. which I, you know, I'm not self-aware enough to, or, you know, I'm, I'm not self-reflective enough to even think about it 12 hours afterwards sure. in, in, in that way. Like, people might not be into thinking about it 12 hours after, and that's also right. okay. But. but I'm saying is if I had actually thought about it. Uh-huh. You know, if I had actually been asked that question, I would have thought about it sooner. And I think it's, yeah. I, I'm, I'm saying this is a good thing. Thank you. I this hear how you. terrible I, hear I am at thing. interviewing is when I have to, I de- tell people something over yeah. and over again. No, I'm yeah. saying this is a good thing. I think it's the most radical thing that we're doing. And it's, again, it's not going to be perfect, but we know that it is and will be better than what is out there. And we are so passionate about doing it. And the other thing that we're doing at the get-go is we're doing a very slow rollout to build our community very, very intentionally. That means that it will probably only be available in New York City within the next year or two and then wider mm-hmm. after that because we are there there are two um there first of all um onboarding is invitation based so we're giving like folks at our advisory board or trusted people in the community invitations and then once somebody is accepted then they're given another set of of invitations but even the advisory board anybody who is on our app needs to fill out our application um which is um is some basic reflecting on consent practices and made in like a really fun, easily accessible. It's not, it's not something that will take any too much of anyone's time. Um, and just like ways that they identify what they're into so that we can keep the community balanced. We're starting with a very blunt, this is like too blunt, but we are starting with no more than half white people, no more than half straight people, no more than half cis men, um, which that's again, imperfect, but it's just a starting place. And, um, And this application, a lot of the questions are just like really fun and are ultimately like the profile questions. Like I'm curious about, I have been learning about, I learned I was kinky when. And so the, the, the criteria for onboarding will first be, be some curating and controlling for, uh, for centering, uh, folks of marginalized identities. Um, but also just a general vetting for like thoughtfulness. Right. Which I firmly believe that seeding our community with, folks who it's not based on experience and kink it's based on thoughtfulness and conscientiousness and care if we seed our community with 50,000 folks that are that thoroughly vetted then we're probably going to scale back the barrier to entry a little bit but probably not much because i think that that actually makes what we're building even more attractive that like that that it it takes some you you get from it what you put in and and the fact that you're 
trying to start this a certain way, you're trying to create a certain kind of community from the beginning, uh-huh. will is different than if you were just trying to get the most people. You know what I mean? Right. And I think we this do is hope a that, huge... you know, five years down the line that everybody who is hungry for this sort of thing is hungry to connect in this way, right. that this will be so widespread that they will easily be able to access it. But we need to, in order to get to that point that in a way that has integrity, we need to trust this slow build. Right. But I'm saying is if you're trying, if you're starting from a point of integrity, mm-hmm. that, 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 you know, it's completely different than if you're just trying to have as many dirty pictures as possible in one place, right? Totally. I mean, it's completely different. We know different that place. if our heart's in the right place with this. And I think the other thing that we're doing that I that is really simple, but I don't think really exists anywhere. Like, I end up meeting a lot of play parties, partners on OkCupid, okay which mm-hmm. is, is great for, for what it is. You know, you can put a lot about yourself. But, sure. um, but we are, um, as far as I know, we're the first to lead with kinkiness and also invite your whole self. So right. the profile is built to invite all of the profile questions, which I got, had the fun of writing, right. um, are invite, you can answer, I'm curious about, about anything in your life or about something kink specific. So we hope that this encourages people to be like, you know, I am, I work in community gardens and I make a mean omelet. And also I'd like to be strung up on a St. Andrew's cross and flogged. Right. Um, and also I'm going on vacation to visit my grandma next week. And <laughs> right. also um, like tattoos really turn me on. And right. um, that, that this, all of that is a part of who someone is is what our our profile our setup our matching is encouraging well this is really exciting and and you know we have the um extreme benefit of you being an awesome guest so uh we you know obviously we ran out of time because of it unfortunately but i do hope you're willing to come back i would love to come back it's an honor to be in conversation with you but it would if nothing else i'd like to do i'd love to do a deep dive on kinkton Great. But, uh, you know, just to, you know, even check in with you a few months from now to see where things are. Uh, I hope people will go to the site to at least give their opinions on what this site should be. Give some For more sure. ideas. We welcome, um, we welcome feedback and, uh, and try kington.com. If you sign up in there, we'll let you know when it's available in your city. And uh, we'll have links to everywhere, the entire bibliography and references <laughs> that we have. And also everywhere you're available socially as well. People can go to uh, this episode and see. And thank you so much for doing this. I really oh appreciate my gosh, it. Thank you for being who you are, doing what you do, holding the space that you hold. It's so important. I'm really grateful to have been in conversation with you today. Well, thank you for making me feel important. <laughs> and thank you listeners for listening in. And go to trykington.com. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Bye for now. Uh, again, that's trykinkton.com. Thank you, Orion. And thank you for listening and being patient. Uh, maybe your podcast player said, sorry, this uh, this podcast is abandoned. So you might not even be listening to my voice. But uh, uh, thanks to everyone who's been uh, emailing me just to uh, catch up. And I uh, hope to have another episode as soon as I can. We'll talk to you later.